welcome to Inside the BACB, the official podcast of the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Inside the BACB. I'm Dr. Jim Carr, the organization's CEO, and with me today is Dr. Melissa Nosick, our deputy CEO. Hey, everybody. So it's been a while since we published an episode. Uh, I look back at my records, actually last July, 2021. And the reason is we've always had a purposefully irregular publication schedule for our newsletters and blogs and podcasts. Uh, And the reason is we want the publication of one of these products to be a signal that we have something to tell you. Uh, We don't want to get locked into uh, a certain fixed schedule of releasing things because then you're really chasing content. So that said, we have something to say. So today we're going to be discussing changes to the BCBA and BCABA examinations that were introduced in the BACB's February newsletter uh, and that will go live in 2025. But before we get started, I thought it might be a good idea since so many of our listeners are probably at the beginning of their careers. It might be fun to take a stroll down memory lane and talk a little bit about what our examinations were like back in the day. Well, it was over two decades ago that we started delivering examinations from the BACB. They were based on the second edition of the Florida task list. Mm -hmm. Uh, We delivered them at professional conventions. They were paper and pencil, and it took up to 45 days to get results. So uh, just to give you a little idea of the structure of it, the first examinations were delivered in the spring and fall. There were two test windows. Uh, We delivered in 14 different locations. And if you go back on, there's a time machine mechanism where you can look at old copies of our website. Some of the instructions included things like, don't bring a beeper into the the test with you. That's on archive.org. That's the internet time machine. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't go back and look at our old websites. They were definitely a work in progress. I took my examination in Orlando, paper and pencil in 04. Jim, do you remember when you took yours? I do. I took mine in 2001. Uh, I was teaching at Western Michigan University at the time, and a handful of faculty and graduate students, uh, we we applied. Uh, and since Jerry Shook got his PhD at Western and was from Michigan, he actually flew up uh, with the paper and pencil exams. And he proctored our examination. And we were in this crappy classroom in the education building, and there were seven of us. And then Jerry sat at the front of the room like the teacher. And uh, it was, it's a nice memory. Yeah. yeah, that sounds pretty special. Yeah. But we did have to wait a long time for the results. Yeah. You know, something that most people don't know about our history uh, and with respect to the testing industry in general is that we started delivering computer-based exams in December of 2005. That was the first computer-based delivery. And actually, computer-based delivery had only been available in the testing industry for a couple of years. So in the testing profession, it's really important to psychometricians and test delivery vendors that the examination experience or environment uh, stay the same. So the challenge from moving from paper and pencil to computer-based delivery was making sure that examinees knew how to use the mouse function on a desktop (laughs) computer. It's interesting because at the most recent testing convention that I was at, there was a joke that they were bringing back those instructions because K through 12 students are now using touch pads instead of mice. Like tablets for everything. Right, right. So we have to bring back the mouse training for professional exams. Right. Oh my goodness. So the BACB was actually, you know, sort of 
ahead of the curve in terms of delivering in a computer-based environment. Uh, and then we went to on-demand testing in February of 2020. The timing was unfortunate because we all had waited for being able to take examinations any month of the year on demand. And uh, just two short months after we introduced our on-demand world, the pandemic shut down all test centers worldwide for a full month in the month of April. I remember that. You know, thinking back to the transition from paper and pencil testing to computer-based testing in, in 2005, I remember uh, right when I came to the organization a little over a decade ago, we did some past pass rate analyses. And what we showed was that, you know, these paper and pencil deliveries, which were in classrooms and in convention ballrooms and all these varied locations with the sort of non-standardized testing conditions, when we switched to computer-based testing, the variability in our pass rates really compressed. Um, and so that was really interesting to see how much of an impact giving everyone the same standardized computer-based experience had, uh, it was detectable in the pass rates. Well, thanks for taking that stroll down memory lane with me, Melissa. So here's what's happening now. Our BCBA and BCABA exams since January 1st, 2022 have been based on the fifth edition task lists. Um, these were first published in 2016. Um, and one interesting development on our new examinations uh, is that there's no longer a comment mechanism with each item. Uh, since we implemented computer-based testing back in 2005, candidates were able to enter comments for each question that then could be available uh, down the road for review. Um, back in the day, we used to do post-exam reviews after each window ended and for items where the stats were maybe borderline questionable, we did use those comments to help sort out uh, some of the issues. What was interesting is that over the years, people uh, developed a lot of lore about what these comments meant, right? That uh, if you entered a comment that was correct, even if you answered the question wrong, we would take that into consideration. That was never why we had that comment field. As I mentioned, it was only uh, so we could uh, read the commentary for items that had certain statistical characteristics. But what we also noticed is that some people would comment on every single item which could theoretically impact their score. Right. So uh, the comment boxes have gone away. And the reason uh, is we have new equating methods for our examination forms and much larger data sets. We have a lot of people taking our tests these days. And so we can actually conduct performance analyses in a way where we just don't need the qualitative comments anymore. Right. New examinee characteristics can be assessed using our new tools and equating methods because of the volume. That's right. So we're definitely in a different place there. So if anyone uh, attached any meaning to the comment fields going away, this is just another development in the evolution of our BCBA and BCABA examinations. Another question that came in was related to the addition of the 20 questions to the BCBA exam. And there's also additional questions on the BCABA exams in the fifth edition right. deliveries. And our examinations, and most people don't realize this, but they're not speeded examinations. So those comment fields, the test delivery window of four hours allowed plenty of time based on the metrics that are used in the psychometrics uh, world to determine 
what is the length of time that an examination should take someone to complete? So the four-hour window was plenty of time for the delivery of the 185 items for the fifth edition exam. So that's why, you know, the comments did go away, which should save some people time that were putting comments on each question before. But the examination is still not considered speeded, meaning there's just enough time to complete as many questions as are on the exam. Right. So one question that some of our listeners probably have is, isn't it too soon to announce new examination content when the current exams only went live a few months ago, right? And that is a valid question. Well, you know, our profession is growing very rapidly. There are a lot of changes out there. I mean, just 10 years ago, the practice of applied behavior analysis looked totally different than it does today with our uh, organizational structures and funding that, that have come online. And so we do need periodically to revisit the practice of applied behavior analysis, update our examination documents. Uh, we need to convey to the profession what the next round of exams will cover. That'll take some time for all of the infrastructure, textbooks, exam prep uh, to get ready. We need to get ready. We need time to write items on the new content areas. We need time to pilot those items, get statistics, revise all those. So it just, it just takes a while. Right. The process is lengthy. So a lot of people don't realize the more content that changes, the more new items you're writing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and that's behind the scenes info. And we, we certainly understand why folks might not know that. Uh, so the new examinations are going to go live in 2025. So in, in less than three years, these new exams will be there. And, you know, every uh, profession and industry, they update their exams on different schedules based on how close they are to the steady state and and how much content is changing. Right. You know, I went to a, a talk at the certification industry conference a couple of years back, and one of the very large certification boards in financial advising uh, described their model where they update 20% of their task list each year. And when they have a fifth of it updated, they publish that. And then a year later, the new exam includes items on that new 20%. And then the next year, the next 20% is updated and so on. So after a half decade, the entire document has been updated. Now, we're, we're not looking to do anything so incremental, but that gives you an idea that there are different models. It's really interesting to see how other professions that are at the city state yeah. are doing things. And there's so many different models. For sure. And, you know, for an industry like financial advising, where so many laws and rules change on a regular basis, you can imagine needing that sort of constant update. Right. Well, another change that we're making with the 2025 examinations is they are not linked to new eligibility requirements. In the past, we've typically announced new examination content with new certification requirements with a very lengthy lead time, sometimes five to seven years before everything went into place. And that's certainly what happened with the new 2022 requirements and examinations. The problem with that is Whenever you change eligibility requirements, for example, that include university activity, right. you've got to give the universities a time to redesign their curriculum, launch it uh, so folks have it before they apply. But we could actually be updating our examinations more quickly. So a big change to the sixth edition examinations that will launch in 2025 is that they'll be administered under the same requirements that we have right now. 
Now, our next episode, we'll talk about the new uh, certification requirements, but those will go live uh, at a later date. So our current plan is to update our examination content about every four years or so. And at some point in the future, depending on how rapidly things are changing in the profession, we might dial that up a bit, dial yeah. that down a bit. And eventually we should get into a pretty predictable schedule for examination updating. So Jim, before we get to talking about the process for developing the new task list, can you talk briefly about the function of the task list for the profession? Absolutely. So, you know, the BCBA and BCABA examinations, they are they're kind of gatekeeper examinations for the profession through the BACB. And the primary function of the task list is to convey the content that will be on those gatekeeper examinations. And so as a result, this information needs to be available and clearly communicated to all potential candidates. Now, in behavior analysis, uh, over the last 10 to 15 years, the BACB's task lists, uh, especially for BCBA and BCABA, they've acquired some additional functions beyond the primary role of simply conveying what's going to be on these examinations. Right. So, for example, um, you know, a lot of university curricula and, and the verified course sequences are really hinge on, you know, what's on the task list and, uh, and a lot of supervision curricula for trainees, a task list content is integrated. And as a result, we've ended up with a document that has kind of three functions, but only one of which, you know, was, was clearly intended. And I think the reason for our task lists kind of taking on this outsized importance compared to the original function well, one is the BACB. Yeah. Uh, in the past, you know, we made references in our uh, experience standards and uh, in our coursework standards to the task list. We never meant for the document to be used as the university curriculum or as the supervision curriculum. We just loop them into our descriptions of, of those two sets of activities. The other reason that uh, our task lists have been sort of overemphasized is because of the very rapid growth of the profession and the lack of other resources uh, in these areas, you know, university curricula, supervision curricula, I mean, just everything about the last 10 years has been anomalous for mm -hmm. us as a profession. And I want to talk a little bit about the history of the BACB's task list. So you mentioned earlier that our first exams were based on the second edition Florida task list. That's right. So what happened there was uh, before there was a BACB, Florida had a very successful state certification program. Uh, they developed their first edition task list and then their second edition task list. And at that point, the Florida program had been emulated in a handful of other states. And Dr. Jerry Shook, the founding CEO of the BACB, approached Florida and said, look, there's a national need here for a certification program. So he arranged with the state of Florida to have the Florida examination materials and certificates transferred into the brand new BACB. A few years later, Florida shut down uh, their state certification program. Now, when the BACB was founded, we didn't have our own new task list. Right. We had the examination content that had been transferred in from Florida and that had been developed through processes that made sense for a Florida-based examination. But we didn't have a, a third edition task list until several years after the BACB was founded. So the first few years, we were testing under the Florida uh, task list. 
Now, when we did have our very first task list, the decision at the time was made to name it the third edition task, kind of implying that the BACB had two other editions, but really the third edition task list was our first edition. So the history there was a little convoluted early on. That's a neat piece of our history. It is our history, indeed. So getting back to the new task list that we're getting ready to discuss, it's important for us that we take this time in our profession's development and kind of reaffirm the original, the core function of this kind of document, which is to convey what's going to be on an examination and our examinations, our entry-level examinations into the profession. And we really need to start minimizing these other functions that have been secondarily acquired over the years. So getting back to the new task lists we're going to describe today, I think it's important that we reaffirm the original function, the core purpose of a task list, and really start to minimize those secondary purposes. You know, we're at a point now where You know, people have very strong feelings about what's on the task list, what isn't on the task list. I can't tell you how many articles uh, I've seen in our literature where something's absence or presence on the task list was kind of a core rationale element in the introduction section. But I think that if the authors who had cited our task list were really thinking about this as simply a test content outline, that probably wouldn't be the case. So, Moving forward, starting with our sixth edition documents, they will no longer be named task lists. They will be named test content outlines. It's nice to see this development because it's pretty consistent with the terminology used in the credentialing world and literature. Absolutely. Yeah, this is really the norm, an exam content outline or a test content outline. And so moving forward, that's the nomenclature we will use describing these documents And so we hope that the title change really helps people focus on what the document is and and what it isn't. Right. Just telling people what's going to be on these examinations, nothing more, nothing less. And then we'll look to other sources for guidance on what should we cover in supervision? What should we cover in the university curriculum? That's a really good point about the test content outline. There are so many other requirements that come before people get to the examination that are really important. Right. And the examination is not all things behavior analysis, it's the entry-level examination for the profession. So once again, our task list, the new ones are not called task lists anymore. They are test content outlines, and they are not the official list of behavior analytic content. They are simply describing what will be on the BCBA exam in 2025 and the BCABA exam in 2025. Right. Just what everybody wanted, a new acronym, TCO. TCO. Sorry. (laughs) We'll, we'll try to do better about that in the future. So that's the preamble. Melissa, why don't you tell our listeners uh, about the process that we use to develop these new documents? Sure thing, Jim. So the job task analysis process we used last year starts with SMEs as the foundation, subject matter experts. This is a group of diverse behavior analysts at different career stages, practice areas, maybe in different job roles. The SMEs convened. We trained them on the task. We gave them internal data and feedback from the profession that we've received over the years. And then they discussed the content based on the most recent edition of the test content outline. In this case, it was the fifth edition. Now, their product at the end of this meeting should represent an incremental change to the content, not starting from scratch. And this year is actually the first year we've had two entirely separate groups 
comprised and convened for the BCBA versus the BCABA certification programs. So those groups separately convened and recommended revisions to our board of directors. So after each of the two-day meetings, we had a draft content outline. So the second step of the process is the validation survey. Right. So this is a content validation survey. So we have a draft test content outline, one for BCBA after their two-day meeting, one for BCABA after their two-day meeting. We send out two surveys uh, to all of our certificates at those levels, and we're asking them to rate each one of these task items in terms of their importance or frequency within their practice. This is the conventional way that exam documents are validated before the examinations are built. So one of the great things about behavior analysis is our certificate's willingness to engage in their profession seems to be a lot greater than a lot of other professions. And we're actually the envy of uh, some of our colleagues in the industry in terms of we get large response rates, lots of subject matter experts willing to be involved. And that certainly was the case here as well. Yeah, that's a good point, Jim. Our response rate is definitely something our psychometricians are always really impressed by. So the last meeting in this process is when SMEs convene after the survey has closed and they review the results of the validation survey. The group finalizes the documents and then in late fall, those documents are presented to our board of directors. Jim, I just thought I'd mention that our board of directors in and of itself is a group of subject matter experts. It sure is. And then in late fall, our board of directors approved each of the final documents. Yep, that's the process. And that job task analysis process with the content validation survey, that's how we have always developed our task list and our examination content. And it's also the general method that other major professions use to develop theirs as well. So we provide a lot more detail about uh, this process and our February 2022 newsletters. There's also an article that we wrote and published in Behavior Analysis and Practice back in 2014 that describes in detail the process we use to develop the task lists and examination content. We'll put a link to that article in the show notes for this episode. Jim, do you want to talk about some of the details of the new test content outline and maybe let's stick to BCBA for the sake of time? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll just focus on BCBA. Uh, the February newsletter has all the details for both BCBA and BCABA. So to start with, we have the same nine content domains. Right. So that didn't change from fifth to sixth edition. There were two minor title uh, revisions uh, for the sixth edition. Uh, the fifth edition task list has 92 tasks on it. The sixth edition test content outline has 104. Four. Uh, this wasn't just through addition. We combined some tasks, deleted some tasks, added some new ones. Again, this is, as you mentioned earlier, kind of an incremental step forward, which is what we would expect if I think if we had put out the sixth edition test content outline and it looked completely different, that would suggest a sort of a seismic shift in our profession, which we just we haven't seen. Right. And there was no change in the number of questions from fifth edition to sixth edition exams. So still 175 on the BCBA exam. That's right. And 150 on the BCABA examination. Yep. And these are the same numbers as the fifth edition uh, exams as well. There are a couple of changes that I think are really worth noting. As I mentioned, there are some new tasks added to the document. Uh, Check out the 
the documents online or the February newsletter to find out what those are specifically. But the first of the two big notable changes is the ethics section. Yeah. So for the fifth edition task list, the ethics section is essentially our entire ethics code for behavior analysts, which is nice from a comprehensiveness perspective. But, um, you know, that's challenging for candidates who are preparing for the examination. Right. And it's a lengthy document. So for the sixth edition BCBA test content outline, that ethics code section in its entirety has been replaced with a section with 12 specific tasks on ethics and professional behavior. I think that's going to be a much more productive experience for our candidates. Right. I really loved that the SMEs really focused on the 12 tasks that they thought were most important for each of the certification program in that section. Right. These are the greatest hits, I suppose. I think another really important content change on the sixth edition test content outline is that we have modified some existing tasks and integrated diversity and equity and inclusion content into eight tasks across four content domains. And as we mentioned earlier, we had two completely different subject matter expert work groups working on the two new documents, one focused on BCBA, one focused on BCABA. Uh, and if you actually look at the document side by side, there are similarities, but there are important differences. And moving forward, I think we're going to see more and more differences based on the different jobs that uh, these different uh, certification holders perform. Right. I think a good example of how the SME groups were thinking specifically about the job of a person at the BCABA level versus BCBA level, the domain on intervention and um, monitoring. The BCABA titling is Intervention Development and Monitoring, where the BCBA title is Selecting and Implementing Interventions. And you see specific differences like that based on the difference in the job role of those two credentials. Yeah, so that's just a quick summary of the content on the new TCO documents. Uh, if you check out the February 2022 newsletter, you'll see uh, content domain crosswalks for each of the two certification program exams. Uh, and we also have the examination blueprint. So you can see the percentage of questions on each one of these content domains. And we have comparisons again from the fifth edition to the sixth edition. So just to recap, in 2025, our BCBA and BCABA examinations will be based on the sixth edition test content outlines developed for each one of those certification exams. The BCBA exam will have 185 items. That's the same as it currently has. And the BCABA exam will have 160 items, also the same as currently. Our examination appointments will still be four hours in duration. Again, as we mentioned earlier, this is not a speeded test. We'll still be offering computer-based testing on demand. And over the next few years, what will our testing department be working on, Melissa? Well, as soon as we have the new test content outline, we have subject matter experts start writing items to the new tasks on that test content outline, and then we have to pilot those items and have data on them to ensure their usability before we implement them on the new versions of the examinations in 2025. That's a good point. We pilot every single item that will eventually be a scored item. So we've got multiple years here where we are writing new items in areas where you know maybe we don't have enough. 
And another point is that the timeline looks slightly different for BCABA than it does for BCBA because an item can only move from pilot to operational status when you have, at a minimum, the threshold is 250 performances of that pilot item to validate the data. So sometimes our BCABA timeline looks a little bit different because we have a lower volume of test takers. What the testing department will be doing is uh, developing new content with subject matter experts. We'll then be piloting those items Mm -hmm. and then developing the new forms in preparation for the 2025 delivery. As always, things are busy at the BACB. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Again, check out the February 2022 newsletter for additional details on the development of these two documents. We will be back very soon to describe the 2026 new certification requirements for the BCBA and BCABA certification programs. In the meantime, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Inside the BACB. Don't miss future episodes. Subscribe now.